Hi, this is Joyce Bullison. You're listening to TV Confidential. Anybody here seen my old friend John? Ed Robertson along with Phil Grace, Tony Figueroa, and Donna Allen as we continue our special edition of TV Confidential that merges the sounds of lost television with This Week in TV History as we remember how television news covered the events of November 22, 1963, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. This segment of our program originally aired November 13, 2013. We're replaying it tonight to commemorate the 60th anniversary of the death of John F. Kennedy. We were winding down our conversation as we went to break. We'll come back to Phil with some final thoughts in just a second. In the meantime, Phil mentioned some of the many, many documentaries that have been made about the subject of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. We should add to that list two more films, The Garrison Tapes and the American media and the second assassination of John F. Kennedy, both of which were written, produced, and directed by John Barber. John Barber will join us at the top of the hour to talk about his third film on the subject of Jim Garrison and his investigation into the assassination of John F. Kennedy. John Barber will join us at the top of the hour. You know, with time, things get changed. It gets a little tainted. The variations start to pop up. Everybody talks about, if you're a sports fan, especially a Dodger fan, about Jackie Robinson stealing home in the 55 World Series, and the debate was the hour would be safe. So, uh, you know, Robinson... Well, I have a very rare special uh, audio air check when uh, there was the All-Star game in 1961, and Robinson talks to Mel Allen, and Mel Allen brings up the subject, and you hear from Robinson, you hear from Robinson why he did it. And, you know, it, and, and his feeling about whether he was safe or not, you, you, you can't beat the first-hand uh, retrospective from the person involved in that historic event. Well, yeah, I, and I think it's different than... Uh yeah, unfortunately, you, you, I'm, I'm phrasing it this way off the top of my head, but when you had educational films that were specifically produced to educate, yeah. they were awfully boring, right. and it's the same announcer, but to have actual footage of the event, right. uh, and like I said, a live broadcast of uh, something on radio or television, or even the newsreels yeah. uh, that you mm-hmm. had that were produced, but this is how people got their information, and it wasn't, you know, like... The history book could tell you a lot of details, but that Joe Sixpack did not have that. And he responded, when you got that broadcast that Pearl Harbor was bombed, and then, you know, the next day people were at the induction center. You know, that's the type of uh, stuff that you would have. It's Or going back a few years before that, Herb Morrison announcing the, the explosion of the Hindenburg, the, oh, the humanity. humanity. I mean, oh, the humanity, is- yeah. And it's, that's, I mean... In the history books, you have the picture, yeah. and you have to understand that this was this incredible thing that was coming to yeah. New York City, and and how important it was, and just you know engineering marvel, and the fact that business in New York stopped when it was flying over the, yeah. the I think it was a right. Well, it even uh, adds to uh, future generations, fifty, sixty, ninety, a hundred years later. Uh, without that material, it becomes even more of a haze. Um, I have a little quote here from Ron Simon at the Paley Center. He says, and I quote, The four days um, remain imprinted in our minds, 
as do the significant moments that you see and we see. Even if you were not alive in November 1963, certainly you have experienced the television moments of it and are still grappling with what it means. And without those audio-visual representations, you probably would not be grappling as much. Yeah, and, uh, you know, one of the other things that hits home, and we talked about this, gosh, a couple of years ago when we were do- talking about the 10th anniversary of 9-11, yeah. as soon as the planes flew and I met this woman from New York, the first thing she wanted to know was my perspective of what happened. And I'm telling her, you know, I was asleep when everything started. Yeah. And she says, no, I really want to know everything that you remember. And she wanted me to account... When the phone rang, when we turned right, on the TV, history was someone who could be someone who had a front row seat. Wanted to know what a Californian's perspective of the event was about, and you know you don't get that in the history books. Right. You don't get, and I think that's that that shows the importance. Or uh, also, the L.A. riots. You know, when you're watching, when you're hearing the news of a verdict at one point in the day. And then you're watching the helicopter reporter say something's going on at the f- corner of Florence and Normandy, which is right outside your building. <laughs> which not uh, a little further away, yeah. but it was but still close enough. Close yeah. enough. Yeah. And then when the helicopter reporter, who's doing his job reporting what he's seeing, and says, "And there's no police around," yeah. and of course the reporter basically sending out a call to all the looters to come out. And then as the events are covering. Uh, the fact that, you know, now you have reporters who remember JFK, reporters whose, let's say, uh, production manual was created by JFK, and they're still being educated, saying, could you not call those guys thugs who are smashing the windows because it's just making it worse? Yeah. And so, you know, when the, re- when the coverage is part of the actual history as well, yeah. uh, it is just amazing. And if you... If you only read this in print that, you know, on, you know, at this date, this happened and then this begat this and this begat this, is that you're not getting the full picture. And you could. Well, it makes it all more sad how much audio and video was never, never kept and destroyed and reused. Uh, that mindset that you just eloquently expressed, that was not in the minds of most people who were in a position to keep things for future generations. But it's so fascinating, I'll close with it, it wasn't something I was aware of, and I thought it was really fascinating. I'm going back to this, the Bruder film. He actually goes to ABC with the film. He's asked to give that film up to an FBI agent. They actually get that film developed at a uh, processing center. He keeps one copy, and they made three copies all together. Now, listen to this. Late that evening... Zabruder was contacted uh, at home by Richard Stoley, an editor of Life magazine, first editor of the Future People magazine. They arranged to meet the following morning to view the film, after which Zabruder sold the print rights to Life magazine for $50,000. The following day, November 24th, Life purchased all rights to the film for a total of $150,000. An inflation-adjusted equivalent of about 1.125 million in 2013. Sapruda gave the first 25,000, about 187,000 dollars in 2013 dollars to the widow of Dallas policeman J.P. Tippett, who was murdered on the same day as President Kennedy, and he was murdered by 
Oswald. The night after the assassination, Abraham Sapruder is said to have had a nightmare in which he saw a booth in Times Square advertising, see the president's head explode. Wow. He determined that while he was willing to make money from the film, he did not want the public to see the full horror yeah. of what he had seen. Therefore, a condition of the sale to Life magazine was that frame 313 showing the fatal shot would be withheld. Although he made a profit from selling the film, he was so disturbed by the nightmare he had filmed that he did not keep a copy, his own personal copy. He never owned or used another camera again. Wow. 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 Yeah, I, 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 I never knew that, you know, until I just came upon that the other day. Wow. And then later on, they upped that, an act of Congress, up to uh, $16 million, and that went to uh, his estate. This is a very personal story for you, Phil, uh, not only in terms of your passion for, for archiving television, but just 20-year-old man in November yeah. 1963. Any final thoughts as we wrap up our retrospective program tonight? I think we're all here on this planet for a purpose. That's my philosophy, and um, I think, um, you know, my, my focused interest and passion with regard to uh, collecting I transcended into um, broadcast collecting because I was a coin collector, stamp collector, I collected tropical fish. That was always part of my makeup. And to be able to be in that right place, in quotes, at the right time to record history, broadcast history, political history, to me, it's almost like a predestiny. And um, it's something that... Um, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a moment, you know, um, it'll be forgotten down the road. But for me, it's a, a highlight in my life with regard to being able to uh, contribute something to um, the archive of the world. Well, it won't be forgotten as far as we're concerned. Phil, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, and we're always grateful that you share a few, a small portion of your vast, and I do mean vast, collection of rare, otherwise not available moments of television from the 50s, 60s, early 1970s, the golden age of television, which you can, and, and, and again, it's not just television programs, but it's rare television news moments, such as the coverage of the JFK's assassination. You can sample other audio from Phil's uh, collection by going to A.T. TheAudio.com. Phil, we are grateful that you joined us tonight. Looking forward to our next conversation. Same with me, and it was my pleasure to uh, share the uh, opportunity to reminisce with uh, you, Ed, as always. And uh, Donna and Tony, it's, it's, it's great to have you as part of a round-robin table. Uh, you know, it, it adds a dimension to our conversation. Yeah, thank you, Phil. Well, this has been a, a, a wonderful treat, Phil. Child of Television at blogspot.com, Child of Television at blogspot.com, also storysalon.com, storysalon.com. Tony down with you both next time. Next, next time. time. You're going to enjoy Tony Figueroa's standalone podcast this week in TV history, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find audio. We'll take a quick time out, then John Barber will join us. We come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Please stay with us. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net.
tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.